Thanks very much, Jens. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Berlin, first of all. In my presentation today, I want to begin by taking you on a bit of a journey with me. I want to go back to the year 2006. Now, you may remember, it wasn't that long ago, the World Cup was held here in Germany, right here in Berlin. Four men launched a social media network. You may have heard of it. It's called Twitter. And in 2006, the global economy stood on the precipice of, well, not good things for the next year, of course. And in 2006, I was a speechwriter living in Canada and working for the government of Canada. Now, I was in this prime of my speechwriting career, or so I thought at the time. Right? I was working for the Minister of Transport. I'd written some speeches for the Minister of Agriculture, some businesses, some prime ministers as well. And just like the global economy, I thought, you know, the good times are never going to end. And then I got married. <laughs> I got married to a fantastic woman, a Mexican woman. She is a diplomat from Mexico. And she promised me the bright lights and big cities of the world. <laughs> the first big city she moves me to is McAllen, Texas. <laughs> right on the border with the United States and Mexico. So the first Spanish word that I learned was adios, as in adios speech writing job. <laughs> but it wasn't to be. The government of Canada must have liked something I had done. So they let me work from Texas, and then in Bonn, where we were posted next, and then right here in Berlin. Now maybe you're thinking right now, that sounds pretty good. No? The boss is 3,000 kilometers away, not too shabby. Well, that's not exactly the way I saw it at the time. See, I thought I was a pretty good speechwriter. I'd done all these things, and so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up my own speechwriting business, freelance speechwriting business, right here in Germany, for Germans, without knowing any German. <laughs> Friends, let's just say the first year was a bit slow. <laughs> but it was slow not only because my you know, business acumen wasn't that great. There's a bit of that, I admit. But it was also because of my misperceptions. Misperceptions about the way speeches are delivered in you know, Canada and the way speeches are delivered here in Germany. The way we hear speeches in Canada, the way we hear speeches here in Germany. And just a spoiler for you, they are, of course, different. And I know from talking to other English uh, speechwriters here in Germany that I'm not the only one to suffer from some of the misperceptions uh, that I have. Now, what does all of this mean to us here today? Well, we're here to study, of course, we're here to uh, bridge the divide between cultures, to bridge the divide between languages. We're here to learn how to write better speeches from each other, from each other. That's the important point. But, and I think we can do that. I think we're going to do that today. But we're not going to do that unless we do one thing, and that is to get honest with each other. Honest about some of the misperceptions that have kept us apart from doing so up to this point. And today I want to talk about some of these misperceptions that have kept us apart. Specifically, I want to talk about three of the biggest misperceptions that non-Germans have about German speeches and speechwriting. 
Now I'm going to talk about how we can overcome some of these misperceptions and some speech writing tips as well. Does that sound good? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get started. Misperception number one that non-Germans have about German speeches and speech writing is this. That there are no good German speeches, <laughs> speakers, or quotes. Right? Ask anybody outside of Germany to give you an example of a really great German speaker, one that's known throughout history, one that could really pull the crowds together. <laughs> you know who they're talking about. You know. That person who, of course, casts a huge shadow over oratory here in Europe, and probably will for a number of years. But even leaving him aside, as he should be, give me an example of a great German line that is known around the world in a speech. One in German that everybody knows outside of Germany. Give me that example. Ich bin ein Berliner. Not even delivered by a German. <laughs> so we, we figure that because we haven't bothered to look outside of Germany, that there mustn't be any. Of course, this isn't true. I don't have time to go into a long list, of course, but here's a few examples. Exhibit A, Willy Brandt. Why not? No, he's not. Granted, not a Martin Luther King figure, but a very good speak, uh, speaker. He had a lot of great lines in his speeches. In fact, I'm going to give you my favorite, and I'm going to try this in German. I'm going to mangle it, and I apologize for that in advance. Berlin wird leben, und die Mauer mit wird fallen. Let me translate that for you. Berlin will live, and the wall will fall. I like that line very, very much. Or how many non-Germans have heard of Richard von Weizsäcker? Right. Who, in, on May 8th, 1985, on the 40th anniversary of the end of war in Europe, he delivered what I consider to be an excellent speech. Contains everything that good speeches should have. Right? It connected emotionally with people. And of course, it was factual. Uh, it raised important points. And it was very important to Germans at the time, and it still is. And a lot of kids still study that speeches, that speech here in Germany. And if you haven't read that speech, non-Germans, I suggest that you do so. Of course, there's a lot of famous quotes by Germans as well that we've used. Albert Einstein is quoted all the time, right? usually by people who have no business quoting Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a few of my own personal favorites. They have to do with the Berlin Wall. The first quote, nobody has any intention of building a wall, <laughs> said Walter Uber. Head of the GDR, 1961, the, about two months before the wall went up. To bookend that, quote, the wall will stand for 50, even 100 years from now, said Erich Honecker. 1960, or, sorry, 1989, the same year the wall came down. So those are a few examples of some of the speakers and some quotes in Germany that I think we should know outside of Germany. Now, of course, uh, after working here and talking to Germans, they have some interesting ideas about sort of this American style of speech writing as well, this American style of speaking, where they see it as a lot of style 
but not really much substance. Like we're on the Oprah Winfrey show or something, right? When people are getting up and you know, talking about their mother and their dog and their dead dog's mother and that sort of thing. But of course, that's not true either, and we know that. So if you've come here, non-Germans, if you've come here and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to teach these Germans a few things about speech writing. Well, I suggest you think again. I suggest you, you know, close your mouth and open your ears. And I suggest that you open your mind as well. Right? And I've got an action item for you. I usually save these for the end of the speech, but I want you to go up to a non-Germans, non I want you to go up to a German speechwriter af after this is over, preferably. And I want you to have them give you an example of a really good German speech. Just one, just like the one I gave you. Right? And, you know, give Germans, ask for one from them as well. Because I think while this is a small thing that we can start to do, I think it's one way we can start building on this common ground that we want to build today. And I think that it's another way we can at least begin to address some of the stereotypes that that really exist, because that's what we're talking about today. Stereotypes are nothing but lazy thinking. And when, we, when it comes to stereotypes and speeches and lazy thinking, that gets us into trouble. So that's my first misperception that I wanted to address today. Uh, the second one, I like this one, that there is this idea, the second big misperception is that there is this idea that there is one German audience. <laughs> that we're speaking to one uh, set of German people. Right? And I get this all the time when people call me and say, I want to also write speeches here in Germany. You know, How do I write speeches for Germans? And I think to myself, which ones? <laughs> East Germans, West Germans, Northern Germans, Southern Germans, Catholic Germans, Protestant Germans, Muslim Germans, German, what, which ones? There's a lot of different Germans, just like there's a lot of different Americans, just like there's a lot of different Canadians. Again, it seems like such a simple thing that we shouldn't write based on a stereotype of this one group we have in mind. But it happens all the time. And it's happened to me, and it's happened to me recently. Let me give you an example. I'll offer myself up as a sacrificial lamb again. I, as Jens mentioned, I like to go into public speaking competitions, and I went into one, and I gave my, it was a humorous speech competition, and so I gave my first speech in Berlin, in, in West Berlin. Funny speech, I get up on stage, and first line, people start laughing. <laughs> Second line, people laughing. Third line, same thing. I felt great about myself. Then I go to Dresden. <laughs> Two weeks later, I get up on stage, and same speech, humorous speech. I get up on stage, I deliver my first line, and nothing. Right? Second line, nothing. Third line, nothing. And I'm walking off the stage. <laughs> and I go and I sit beside this German gentleman. And I say, look, you know, what's the problem? Why, wasn't, why didn't you find it very funny? And I'll never forget this. He's, he looked at me and he said, funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned something that day. <laughs> Not everybody shares my specific brand of humor. I noticed here too. Um, the second thing is that there is no one set of Germans. And if, if you think it's a Canadian thing, if you think it's just you know this crazy Canadian guy who showed up, well, there's a guy here, and he's standing right back there. His name's Pascal. He's the guy that competed against me. And the same thing happened to him. And you know what? He's German. 
<laughs> He's German. So this happens everywhere. We fall into this trap a lot. Lots of problems, lots of problems. What about solutions? How do we deal with this stereotype? Like, how do we not write to a stereotype? Well, for me, I think it's all about writing for your specific audience. That's what I think it's all about. How do we do that? Well, of course, we want to do things like read formers, you know, speeches that have been given to the audience before. We want to check out their history. We want to look at some of the things that we share in common. But I'd like to do something more than that. I think that we, it would help us definitely to phone the organizer of the event, the Brian of whatever event that it is. And we want to ask that person one question. Sorry, you're in Germany. One question. We want to ask them, what's the one burning issue that's keeping your members awake at night? What's the one burning issue? And if you can tie that one burning issue to the one point in your speech, that main theme, I think that not only do you have a great start to a speech, but you're no longer speaking to a stereotype. You're speaking for the needs of that specific audience. Another way that we can uh, deal with some of these misperceptions between us. All right, I've covered two. Last one. Third misperception that non-Germans have about Germans is that Germans only want facts, 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 numbers and statistics and more facts in their speeches. Like these long, drawn-out speeches. I'll admit it. I think this is partially true. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I think it's partially true. But I'm going to get to that in just a few minutes. First, I want to say that the more I deliver speeches here, the more I work with Germans, the more I realize they want one thing in their speeches. Substance. They, it's incredible, isn't it? They want clarity. They want, well, you know, they want arguments that make sense in their speeches. They want logic. And that's great. And the more I speak here, the more I respect Germans for this. <clears throat> because I don't necessarily think we always get this in the United States and in Canada and the UK. I think this is starting to die out a little bit, where it's, again, a lot about this style and less about the substance. Again, I give them credit for that, and I like writing speeches here because of that. Let me give you an example of real life of how you know, I've seen this in action. And, and I'll, I'll tell you right up front, it's a bit of an exaggerated example. But, so I go to this event, and it's about you know, improving your business. I'm still working on the business thing. <laughs> They ask the guy, what's the secret to your success? And he's an American guy. And so he gets up on stage and he said, you know, it's all about finding your passion. You've got to find your passion and then you obtain your passion and then you, you know, it's all about, you have to be passionate about your passion. And when you are passionate about your passion, that's where the magic's at. Okay. What, the, what is that? <laughs> no, no, the Germans are sitting there. <laughs> Me too. Canadians don't like that either, by the way. <laughs> but look, I said I was going to be honest in this presentation. So Germans, time to get honest with you. Sometimes your speeches have, how should I put this, too much substance. Like, you know, three hours too much substance. Like, my university dissertation sounds like a tweet in comparison to too much substance all the time. And I've got some ideas, you know, uh, how to improve 
speeches, not only here in Germany, some of the, some of the things that I can identify in speeches here that I think that we have some problems with, but also there's things, that, these are applicable outside of Germany as well. I think the first thing we need to do, and it's not, let me say, it's not a Canadian thing, it's not an American thing, it's a, it's a speech thing. So I think in speeches, what they often lack here in Germany and, and elsewhere as well, granted, is that the speeches don't have a central point, right? All speeches need to have a point, one point, not 14 broad perspectives, not 17 strategic initiatives, one idea, one point. Think of the point as the heart of your speech. And if we're thinking, you know, it's one which everything else emanates. And if we think of a speech as a human body, well, again, the point is the heart. The structure is the other thing that a lot of German speeches lack. I find this kind of ironic in a way because the stereotype of Germans is that they're so organized, right? But I find the structure is often lacking. And if we think of the speech as a human body again, well, the structure is the spine of the speech. It's what holds everything together. Just as a body collapses under its own weight without a spine, so a speech collapses under the weight of its own rhetoric without a structure. If you're not sure what kind of structure to use, I've got a simple one for you. Begin with an introduction that gets right to your point. Go into three separate sections arguing, you know, providing the reasons, the how or the why of that point. At the end, have a summary that, of course, summarizes everything that you talked about, and a call for action at the end, you know, that has the audience doing something about the point that you made. Those are some of the things I think that we can do to improve structure here. Again, we want, we're thinking of speeches as a human body. The other thing that we want to do is to make sure that it, it's held together somehow with some sort of connective tissue. And I think stories do a great job of doing that. Right? Again, it's not about the Oprah Winfrey show sharing all the deepest, darkest secrets. It's, it's about anecdotes, some things that really personalize the speech. And if we want our speech to be compared to this human body, again, we want it sounding like a real human, right? We don't want it sounding like a robot, so we want to use words, we want to select words that, you know, that are free of jargon, that don't have these buzzwords in them that we're so familiar with. And I think these are some of the things that we can do to improve speeches, not only here in Germany, but elsewhere as well. Now, now maybe you're thinking, you know, I come to these conferences and I hear all these examples, and, you know, give me an example of, of how this actually applies in any one speech? Well, I provide to you the example of the speech that I just gave. Introduction, bit long. <laughs> got, got to the point, I had three separate sections. And if you've been paying attention, you know what's coming next. Ladies and gentlemen, today I talked to you about three misperceptions that non-Germans have about German speakers and speech writing. Perhaps you're thinking, you know, a lot of the uh, solutions that you talked about are really, you know, they're not really specific to Germany. They're kind of universal. Yeah, that's the whole point. Because think again why we're here. We're here to try and form some common ground upon which, you know, we can work on creating better speeches. So I urge you to continue doing that today. I urge you to break down some of these misperceptions. I urge you to share speeches. I urge you to talk to people in other countries that write speeches. And most of all, I urge you to do that one thing that that speaker so long ago said here in Berlin, to tear down that wall 
In our case, tear down the misperceptions that keep us apart so that we can truly build this common ground and learn how to write better speeches together. Thank you.